I, I was worried about how I was going to sound this morning because I had a wrestling show last night down in Houston, and three hours before the show, all I was supposed to be doing was commentary. I get mm-hmm. there, and, hey, so, yeah, you're doing commentary and a little bit of ring announcing. It's it's just going to be, like, a few matches. Turns out it was every match wow. except for one, <laughs> and then I was also doing commentary for every match except for two. So I'm like, wow, this is going to kill me, isn't it? A lot of talking. Uh, A lot of talking. (laughs) A lot of talking. A lot of screaming. Um, But thankfully, I don't think I sound bad this morning. No, no. Sounds, if you hadn't have told me, I I wouldn't have known. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) That sounds fine. Maybe uh, maybe doing these shows more often is uh, helping my voice just kind of give up. You know? Yeah. And it's just like, you know what? This is going to be a regular thing, isn't it? Fuck. Does the voice work that way where, I mean, it, it mu- you must be able to do some sort of exercise for it where, you know, you, like, metal singers go out there and scream every now- night, and then the next yeah. day they, they sound like, oh, hey, guys, what's up? It's like, well, all right, how do you do that? <laughs> you know? What do you, how do you work out that way? Like, will you be able to eventually I, just, like, scream your guts out at a wrestling show I, every night or something? I do want to, I don't know any personally or that well uh but i do want to learn how to scream like a metal vocalist because they're doing it not from their vocal cords they're doing it all from their stomach which is why they're they're able to do it so often and with as much intensity as they are yeah yeah i've I've, i took some speech classes in college and stuff and i I, you know and if you've ever sung anything and you've needed that power like from the diaphragm is where yeah. Like w- when you're breathing, your shoulders shouldn't move. That's what I've learned. Like if you're if you're doing proper breathing and you're and you're doing that kind of speech or singing or whatever, like your shoulders shouldn't go up. It should be your stomach going out. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I knew I knew it was a uh, stomach should go out. Shoulders shouldn't go up. But I didn't I've never like sat here and done that. And now I'm just going to only <laughs> think about that for the next hour and a half. I you're know. just going to be talking and I'm just going to be sitting here going. <laughs> Gut goes in, gut goes out. Gut goes out. Gut goes. Gut goes, goes out. Yeah, it's one of the breathing is one of those things that you can't think about, or else it will encompass you. Like whether or not you can feel your clothes, or what your tongue is doing when your mouth is is closed, or whatever. Oh fuck you. <laughs> yeah, both. All of those are like, well, now I can't think of anything else. <laughs> and now maybe everyone's doing it now that they're listening. Um, should we just get going? Might as well, yeah. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Ted and Mary, Season 1, Episode 2. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, The Pants Tent. I was going to save the consultation of the book. It sounds like a ceremony that way. Like, <laughs> and now... Please rise for the consultation of the book, the Curb Your Enthusiasm, the book. But by the and by the way, when I was looking up, I was on the Wikipedia page, I think randomly, and there is no second book yet. So seasons hmm. one through five, once we're done with that, I think after season ten, which they've already done, is the perfect time to now do five through what is it eleven now or or now why why do I forget like which season that they're on but i think that's a perfect time to like put out the next five seasons in another book you know even if they're if even if they are on season 11 like put out five through ten now uh maybe someone will think about doing that by the time we get to season five but i want to consult the book first well just as one part of it the title 
because we didn't have any homework, so we're just going right to the book. That's why. <laughs> Larry David borrowed the name for the Dustin Hoffman movie he goes to with Cheryl's friend Nancy, Hard Nut to Crack, from a World War II poster that his friend, the late Marjorie Gross, gave him. So it was a real movie. Dustin Hoffman was not in it because, you know, it came out around World War II, I guess. Or it's, is it about World War II? Let me see. No, yeah, World War II poster. So it doesn't even say that it's a movie. It just says it's a World War II poster. Interesting. Maybe it was like one of those propaganda posters that we kind of get a look at in this episode we're going to talk about today. So maybe he has a thing for that era of artwork or whatever. Uh, so that's where he got the name A Hard Nut to Crack. But I did find out that A Hard Nut to Crack was the name of Die Hard in some foreign language overseas market, specifically Russia. No way. Boo. Boo, Russia. Boo, we hate Russia. Yes. Uh, we hate Russia now. Yeah, and everything. But hopefully that's all done eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People will be like, why are they booing Russia? Um, so <laughs> listening to this in 2025. <laughs> they're like, wait, what 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 happened? What's going on? Yeah. Why are they booing Russia, the world government that now controls the earth? Huh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> why why are they booing Supreme Leader Putin? <laughs> yeah, that's odd. Uh they're not allowed huh. to do that. Don't yeah. worry. We've that's, been long... That's punishable by death. <laughs> we've long been killed if you're listening to this in 2020. Yes. I hope uh, anyway. <laughs> so, what a weird alternate history we just wrote for ourselves. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ. I know. So the movie Die Hard, because I, I, I never considered this before, but it's essentially an American idiom, like good habits die hard or bad habits die hard, whatever. You know, the, the saying is die hard is an American phrase. So they pretty much had to change the title in huh. every country they released it in to an extent rarely seen with movies and so in actually word for word the direct translation of the russian phrase is hard nutlet if you were to like take the words and just (laughs) but a hard nut to crack i think is essentially the same idiom wow translated back into english uh that that makes me think i I saw something on twitter earlier this week uh you've seen everything going on with turning red and how like (laughs) incel men don't like it because oh it's talking about periods yeah yeah and the main character is a like you know, young girl, which I just can't identify with. Yeah, thirteen-year-old <laughs> girls don't do that. I would know that for a fact because I'm a twenty-seven-year-old man. Yeah, but uh, I, I hope to God this is true. But I, I think it kind of comes into the same, uh, same vein there. But turning red is a bit of an American expression, so the ah. title of the film had to be translated. And I think in Japan, the name of the movie is occasionally i am a red panda <laughs> that's amazing I, I hope to god that's true and it wasn't just for the sake of a meme that would be great if that translated because turning red is like you know a sign of embarrassment or you yeah. know, you're getting flush or whatever so we understand what that means that'd be great if like when you're getting flushed <laughs> for some reason in japan it's like uh-oh occasionally i'm a red panda <laughs> oh a little embarrassed you guy <laughs> i i yeah i hope that's true so bad <laughs> it was a direct idiomatic translation um so it was called a hard nut to crack or hard nutlet in Russia. And th- then I went on a shallow dive of the alternate title of Die Hard in every foreign country I could find. And oh, I'm boy. sorry this has nothing to do with Kirby Enthusiasm, <laughs> but I think you'll still find it interesting just because it's a great movie. And this here is why every episode of No Hugging, No Learning is over an hour long. <laughs> so in Thailand, it was called Big Building Fight. In Spain, it was called La Jungla de Cristal, or The Glass Jungle. In La- I like that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's pretty cool. Uh, and finally, in China, it became Ultimate Detective, which Ooh. I also agree does not describe the movie very well, but it is a badass title. <laughs> it's pretty good, Ultimate Detective. 
Uh, okay, so that is that's the diehard deep dive or shallow dive, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I guess it ended up being a little deeper. Here's another thing from uh, just another little bit of trivia and tidbit from the pants tent. Richard Lewis tells Larry that his girlfriend speaks seven languages, and Sophia Milos or Milos, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, who plays the girlfriend, does speak seven languages according to her IMDb bio. Hmm. Yeah, so one of those bits of improv maybe that was ripped from actual life. So let's go back. And continue our consultation of the book. We th- th- This is in the book, and we mentioned it in the last episode, but I'll, I'll mention it anyway because it has to do with this episode. The show's theme song, Frolic, by Luciano Michelini. Years before he had the idea for Curb, Larry David heard the song in a bank commercial and tracked it down, thinking it might one day be useful. And now it has become one of the most iconic television sounds in history. So when Louis Nye came up with his order in the dinner scene at Mama's Boy Restaurant, I'm going to have the fish frenzy. It evidently cracked up the whole table, and everybody had to struggle not to break up laughing and ruin the take. Yeah, oh, which, okay. Which I didn't notice. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, so uh, under the uh, section, what were they thinking? That's what this title is called. What were they thinking? I, I don't know if this is in every... Yeah, no, this will be a section in, in at least the next one and, and a couple of other ones, I guess. So this is quotes from people in the episode about the episode. Richard Lewis said, one of my favorite scenes ever was in the episode when I was screaming at Larry about Sophia. I was laughing when I said, call me by sundown, but I was really angry. It wasn't until I saw that scene later that I realized what the show was. Before that, I was overly concerned about how it would come off. But Larry said, don't be concerned about anything. So we uh, that scene kind of stuck out to you specifically, I remember, but me too, when, when he's like, I'm, I'm okay. When he's like, who are you, Gary Cooper? And he's like, okay, that was funny, but I'm still mad at you. And he's like laughing. That's because it was totally improv and Larry's reaction was real and Richard's reaction was real. And, and that's when he kind of understood like, oh, I see. Okay. It, it's okay to break during a scene as long as it's not, as long as it doesn't break the fourth wall or whatever. Yeah. Or, or take you out of the scene. And I, I gotta say too, I always really liked Richard Lewis. Do you have any frame of reference for this guy? None at all. Yeah, I mean, like, I wasn't really a big fan of his stand-up. I think my introduction to him was Robin Hood, Men in Tights. He is Prince John, or Prince Prince John, yeah, in, in Robin Hood, Men in Tights. And I just always loved his funny delivery. And then I found out, you know, because when I was like, oh, man, this guy's funny. And my parents were like, oh, you know, that's Richard Lewis. He was like a famous comic when we were younger. I, I was like seeing him pop up in things, and and he's going to be a mainstay in curb your enthusiasm so i'm excited to to watch him all over again and richard's girlfriend sophia the actress sophia sophia milo said richard must be the most neurotic guy i ever met just non-stop talking could you imagine being married to this guy (laughs) 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 and that's all from the book and all the uh, trivia and tidbits and stuff okay cool we didn't get to this last week so i'll I'll just uh before we get into the whole rest of the spiel Tim, let's open up Newman's mail sack. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, hit me. Okay, so we got one from Chris B., uh, who writes in subject line, Shout out from Newfoundland, Canada. Love the show. Nice. Uh, Chris B. writes, Hey, Tim and Ted, I gotta say, as a Gen Z or millennial, whatever you want to call it, born in 1992, you guys are amazing. I started listening to the pod season nine, episode one, and I got hooked. So Chris is a a late adopter to the show. Uh, I kept going. Now I've started with your first episode and going to listen all the way through. As a Seinfeld fan, I've been waiting for something like this for years. Your opinions are so similar to mine, and as someone who watched the show staggered growing up, it has been a joy to watch it chronically uh, with each podcast per episode to boot. Unreal. Keep doing what you're doing. Hopefully there are more... Uh, hope th- hopefully there are many shows you both can share with the world. Shout out from Newfoundland, Canada. If you have any stickers left, I would be proud to put one on the rear windshield of my car. Rep yeah. the pod. Thanks again, guys, for the entertainment. Chris Bargery. Chris, 
Yeah, send us your address. I'll, I'll email you this because there's a chance you won't hear this for two weeks <laughs> yet. Yeah, well, if he's yeah. Starting over a... at one. That's <laughs> yeah, true. If he's starting over at one, he's he's gonna be the person who doesn't hear it until 2025. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were we were talking to Chris this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he won't turn us in though. He's not gonna turn us into the Gaspacho police. That we know of. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay, if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 17 minutes being exclusively uh, homework die hard. and and diehard and lots of bullshit, mostly diehard. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at NoHugging on Twitter or NoHuggingNoLearningShow at gmail.com. Both of those links are in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, you can give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Help us out over there. They really do help. The ratings and reviews really do help out. It helps us uh, get more people listening to the show helps us reach more people helps us get more ad dollars which we currently have zero <laughs> and because we have zero ad dollars if you would like to support us monetarily you can do so patreon.com slash no hugging it's five bucks a month it's n- nothing you don't even realize that it disappears from from your checking account every month but we get you two movie reviews a month and early access to every curb your enthusiasm episode one week early access to boot. Nice. All that being said, season one, episode two, Ted and Mary. Original air dates. Oh, shit. I don't have this. My tablet was dead. I wrote down October 22nd, the year 2000. Okay. October 22nd, 2000. Let me find the description for it by the way the book has while you're looking for that the book has great descriptions of episodes and i won't read ted and mary because it because you know because they're kind of spoilery but listen to the way the pants tent starts everyone's mad at larry (laughs) oh my god (laughs) i just love that's every episode literally every episode is going to be everyone's mad at larry But this is, yeah, I won't read the rest because it's just, it literally is, it's not teasery enough. And I like I'm teasery, but I just thought that was funny. It's like, you could just print that on every page. Everyone's mad at Larry on this episode. Everyone's mad at Larry. All right. I'm grabbing my tablet because I did write one last week. And the one on Google is very spoilery for the entire Mm. episode. I like, I might start like screenshotting or something, HBO Goes or HBO Max, whatever it is. They usually write pretty good synopses. Yeah, they're not bad. That's what, uh, that's what I used last week when I wrote the description for this week's episode. And that's what I used for this week whenever I wrote the description for next week's episode. I have have it it up if you don't have it yet. Oh yeah, go ahead. All right. Larry and Cheryl's fun-filled bowling date with Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen ends with Larry's shoes missing. That's actually really bad. (laughs) (laughs) that happens in the first 30 seconds it does have something to do with the episode but i i I hate it after i said how great they (laughs) did i didn't realize how shitty that one was (laughs) god damn it tim (laughs) yeah hbo max's descriptions they're they're, they're great they're top-notch a plus 
Larry's shoes go missing. <laughs> Maybe I was looking because because the pants stand isn't that great either. I remember this from last week, and we couldn't make it better. But it's like an innocent bunch up in Larry's trousers gives rise to an embarrassing situation. We're, we're like, well, yeah, so much happens. So much other stuff happens besides well, here. that. Do you, do you want me to read the description that is on Google? Yeah. Okay. So it's Larry and Cheryl's bowling date with Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen ends with Larry's shoes missing. Period. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, Larry retrieves his shoes from the schmuck who pinched them, but gets into a fight with a shoe salesman who ordered him a new pair. No. <laughs> also, the schmuck who pinched them. Yeah, I know. Like, who wrote what? this? Like, who a, wrote a, this? A 1940s noir private eye. <laughs> ah, yeah, the schmuck who pinched him, aren't you? Yeah, ain't ya? La- Larry <laughs> retrieves his shoes from the schmuck who pinched him. She. I'm gonna give you to the count of ten to get your no good lily leopard whatever. <laughs> Well, this, I mean, here's one from IMDb written by a fan. Larry and Cheryl enjoy their bowling double date with Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen, but it ends badly when Larry accuses the bowling alley of misplacing his sneakers. I would just rewrite that when the bowling alley misplaces Larry's sneakers. Later, Ted gets the wrong idea about Larry when he goes shopping with Mary at a downtown department store. Okay, yeah. I I would even put more of that on, like, Cheryl and Ted are, I I know we're doing the end part here, but, like, (laughs) Cheryl and Ted are suspicious of... Their spouse's new, I don't know, relationship is not the right word. Friendship. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Friendship's better. So there we go. We did the end part first, but I think we landed on something resembling a good, a good. (laughs) Yeah. uh, yeah. All right. So is that it? Uh, That's it. All right. See you next time. So, do you have any more, or, or am I? Is this where I launch in? Um, <laughs> uh, what we did? We did the description. We did yeah. the date that came out, right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah we're we're good to start. All right, awesome. Uh, so we open up at Pickwick Bowl, as you can see on the uh, bowling alley, the board that goes uh, above the pins, and Pickwick Bowl is at nine twenty one West Rivers West. Riverside Drive, West Riverside, West Riverside, <laughs> Mowage, nine twenty one West Riverside Drive, Burbank. It's got twenty four lanes. Recently updated. It's for an hour on a lane. You're gonna pay sixty bucks an hour for a max of four Jesus. people on a lane. Yeah. So I guess if you do have all four people there, it's like fifteen bucks a person for an hour, which isn't so bad considering you're in L.A. You know, you're in Burbank. And get this, shoe rental is only four dollars. I'm like you're gonna charge 15 bucks an hour per person per lane, <laughs> and and shoes are only the shoes like that's super that's super affordable. Like thank you, but it's yeah, just they're, weird. They're, they're skimping on the shoes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they probably are the same shoes that are in this episode still. Like oh, probably. <laughs> can I have the ones you gave Larry David? <laughs> but uh, sick and, freaks. And it's still yeah. I want to smell them and put them on wiki shoes, which <laughs> oh, is no. which is like wiki feet. But you know you can look at it at work because they're clothes. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it, it evidently is very popular for this kind of thing because it was closed on the 28th for filming. They were closed all day, so someone else could film there. And it is still operating despite it being sold in 2021 with plans for a 98 townhouse development to completely level it. And so I couldn't figure out what happened between now, between like in less than a year where they're like, yeah, it's been recently updated and we're open. Come on by. Like their Facebook page is still very active. They post all the time. And <laughs> and I'm like, you guys are closing soon or or not? I can't figure out if that, if that townhouse <laughs> development is still happening. But Larry and Cheryl are there bowling with real life couple, Ted Danson and Mary Steenburgen. And I was pleased to find out that they are still married. Uh, or at Wow, least, really? Like, yeah. I thought they were one of those longtime couples that like broke up unceremoniously like we, they're one of those couples you're like wow i never thought they'd break up and they did but they haven't as far as i could tell 
Well, that's cool. Yeah. And they invite, they're having such a great time bowling, they invite Larry and Cheryl to the luxury box. They're going to the Paul Simon concert. Come sit with us in our luxury box. And Larry David won't commit, which I thought was going to be a thing, but he's just joking, apparently, because it's never really taken very seriously later on. And he's like, hang on, we don't, we don't know. But he was kind of like joking that, like, we, we get along great with this couple. Of course we're going to, but I'm going to pretend like they're, uh, they're jerks or whatever. Uh, and Larry goes over to the, you know, to collect their shoes. Everyone's getting their shoes back from the bowling alley. Except Larry. He gives him these like dirty old clunky Adidas. And Larry's shoes were given to another customer. The guy behind the counter got the slots mixed up or whatever. And the other customer left with the shoes. And so Larry has to leave in sock feet. (laughs) At home, Larry and Cheryl are very excited about going to the Paul Simon show. They're like, oh, this is great. And Ted and Mary are great. I think we had a great time with them. And here's what I like that was super realistic about this. They're also critiquing their own performance as a couple. Do you and Grace do this? <laughs> uh, we don't double date with anyone. Yeah. But I mean, I guess even when you're like out with a new group of people, you're like, man, that was that was really fun. Like, I can't like I don't think we've ever been out on an actual double date. But just like when you go out with a group of people, maybe that you're not that familiar with. You're like, that was fun. Like, and people thought we were fun, right? Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. Of course. <laughs> of course, we're fun. Like we will we'll be those kind of people that you know, we'll analyze our performance as a couple or at a party or whatever. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, definitely. No, we were, we were on tonight. That was fun. And Larry is, Larry is lukewarm on Ted though. So kind of like, you know, but he's not really joking now. And he's like, nah, I don't know about Ted. He loves Mary though. He doesn't like Ted because he calls everything heaven. He has a piece of gum. (laughs) Oh, it's heaven. The, the, you know, the bowling alley is heaven. And he also asked a lot of questions about Larry's personal hygiene, very digging and very personal questions about his personal hygiene. Which never came back. No, I thought that was odd, too. I thought that was going to come up again. But he, like, Cheryl likes Ted just fine and really likes Mary. But Larry, like, goes in on how much he loves Mary. And he's like, you know, it's a shame, though, because we can't really be friends because, you know, I'm I'm married and she's married. And, you know, society just frowns on relationships between people in relationships like that. Cheryl's like... (laughs) You know, Cheryl starts almost trying to get it like rein him in like, okay, you know, she's like, all right, don't let me stop you. You know, go out with Mary if you want to. But almost like that passive aggressive, don't let me stop you. You know, Um, so the next morning, Mary calls just to like, it reminded me kind of like a follow up after a job interview or something like, thank you for your time yesterday. I really enjoyed, you know, she's calling up just to talk about the night before. Like, oh, we had so much fun. And yeah, I, I don't know, like, what else she would be yeah. calling for. No she reason. Wasn't in, she wasn't intending to invite Larry to Barney's. No. But he just kind of invites himself. And this is a – I loved this. This is just good writing or improv or whatever. When Larry goes, oh, la- last night? Oh, it was heaven. And then you only hear his side <laughs> of the conversation, but it's so well delivered that you know what Mary's saying. Because all he goes is, oh, it was heaven. And he goes, oh, really? He does? Huh. Interesting. You know that she said Ted says that all the time. Ted says it was heaven all the time. <laughs> and I just loved that that just very it wasn't like necessarily <laughs> hilarious or anything, but it was it was just good filmmaking. I don't know. And so yeah, she's you know, they start talking about what uh, what are you doing today and Mary is going to Barney's and Larry kind of invites himself. He's like, "You know, I need some stuff. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll meet you there." And so at Barney's, which is in Beverly Hills or was Barney's department store closed all of their stores in 2019 after Uh. bankruptcy and acquisition. And this location and their New York 
So they had like a West Coast flagship. That's this one, the Beverly Hills store, and their New York flagship station. They remained open until mid-February of 2020. This location was at 970 Wiltshire, or I'm sorry, Wilshire, 970 Wilshire, and it is still logoed on Google Maps. So I can't tell. Maybe they just don't drive by there enough. It was mid-February of 2020, but you still, two two years, you figure they might have gone by once again, but but no, Maybe. it's still wrapped with Varney's and, and just covered in, hmm. and it, it looks absolutely huge too, and had a little bistro in inside, like it's called Fred's at Barney's or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so really nice place, obviously. And Larry meets Mary there, and her mother, aka Mrs. Doubtfire's caseworker. Yes! <laughs> I was like, where do I know this lady? I was like, she's some, I, I could picture her as an authority figure, but she's nice. And yeah, I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> she's Mrs. Doubtfire's caseworker. Uh, and I'm sure she's in a bunch of other stuff too. Anne Haney is her name. I finally looked it up. Uh, and Larry uh, compliments Mary's jacket. And a salesperson person rushes right over with one saying, oh, I, I heard you talking about this. And and Larry tries it on, and, and he's like, I'm, I think I'll, I buy it. I, what, I really like it. What kind of supersonic hearing does this salesperson have? There's a lot of one, – one part that's, like, kind of not great writing is the coincidental salespeople in this. This is the first one, and the next one we'll get towards the end of the episode. I know you already know what I'm talking about, but it's like this, the Barney salespeople are second to none because they can just, like, teleport, like, right to oh where they're needed. God, I guess. <laughs> How they closed, I have no idea if they sold like this. Like, oh, I heard you talking, and I have one right here. And she guesses Larry's size. You're a 42, right? And, you know, Larry tries it on, and he's like, would it be weird if I had the same jacket as you? And Mary's like, no. He's like, hey, look, twins. And I also like, he's like, this is kind of a shirt and kind of a jacket. And I do like jackets like that. I have a great shirt that's kind of a jacket that my sister gave me. (laughs) And I never would have bought it for myself, but she gave it. And I only kind of, like, wear it around the house. Like, I wear it when I need to take the trash out, and it's, like, chilly at night or whatever. It's kind of like a... A house coat, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, oh I'll wear God. it when I'm cold in the house, but not outside. I don't know why, but I really love it. It's a really cool shirt slash jacket. And it's got these snap buttons that snap all the way up, and it's, like, lined. It's not light like that, like Larry's. It's it's lined and very warm. Um, now you just need yeah. a nice pair of slippers and a corncob pipe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Larry also, uh, as they're walking through the store, goes to the, the shoe section, is like, oh, you know what? I should replace the shoes from the bowling alley. They, they probably have them here. And they're campers, which I had never heard of before. I thought it was like a type of shoe. It's a brand name, though. Have you heard of these? I haven't. No, not before this. Yeah. And it's not like they're super pricey. They do look pretty cool, by the way. And I'm like, is this the second Larry David show that I'm going to inform my shoe chases, <laughs> the shoe choices with? Am I going to get a pair of camper shoes the next time? I Because they're like, I don't know, 120 150 like what you would might spend for what you hope is a good <laughs> pair of shoes. Like so, And I, I buy shoes like once every five years, so that's not really a lot to look. And I was like, these are some cool sneakers I might buy. I don't know if I'll buy his big like Skechers style campers, <laughs> but some of the sneakers looked really cool. And so they don't have his size, so he has to special order them in his size. Uh, so he goes off with the uh, salesperson. And at lunch, a little bit later, which is Mort's Palisades Deli, which has its own Wikipedia page. It is such mm. an L.A. institution. It was at 1035 Swarthmore Avenue at the corner of Swarthmore and Sunset. And it was a Jewish deli opened in 1972. They moved down the street in 1978 and they closed 
in 2007 and reopened as also another deli bought by a former mayor of Los Angeles. And everyone kind of agreed it was a it was a shell of its former self. Like it just wasn't <laughs> wasn't the same anymore They you know, they had changed. It, it was it wasn't this, it wasn't Mort's Palisades Deli. It was another they gave it another name and, and revamped it. But um, yeah, just they were like, it's it's not the same. It's not the same place as, you know, that we've been going to for 50 years or whatever or 40, whatever, 30. <laughs> yeah, 30. 35. But the the celeb celebrities loved it. Larry David like really loved this place. Like it's genuinely one of the places he would go for lunch. So did Larry King. Marlon Brando loved it. Steve Gutenberg, Martin Short, Anthony Hopkins, uh, they all <laughs> went there. So it did have a huge celebrity ki- ki- uh, clientele. Mary and her mom are just gushing over Larry's uh, love of shopping. He also brags that he loves to cook too. And then drinks out of a water glass that turns out to be Mary's mom's. And she points it out like, oh, Larry, that's my glass. And he makes the sound of disgust. But then he tries to cover because he realizes what he's done. And he sees their reaction to his reaction. So he's like, tries to cough. Like maybe the water went down the wrong pipe. He's like, he's like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> but the first one really is like a dry, like, ah! <laughs> God. it was, it was hilarious. Uh, so back at home, I thought this was really funny. Larry tries to duck Cheryl right away when this was, uh, he walks in the door and, and she's like, Hey, and he's like, Oh, hi. And he tries to go upstairs. And he's like, I'm in here. <laughs> which is wife talk for like <laughs> come in here you come in here too not i'm not letting you know where i am you come in here <laughs> uh and so he kind of dances around why he was going shopping because he doesn't want to play up you know this uh friendship that he has uh, this burgeoning friendship with mary steenburgen how about that is that why i picked that word cheryl is <laughs> cheryl's not pleased even that just he went shopping like forget mary but like he never goes asked to go shopping or never asked to go when she's going shopping. Never go shopping with her. And Ted Danson then rings the doorbell. And evidently, Larry ended up with one of her bags. She had one of his. So they're going to switch the bags. And and, uh, <laughs> and and Larry also has to downplay the jacket where he's like, oh, it's a nice jacket. You know, Mary has one just like it. He's like, oh, uh, really? I, hmm, I, I never noticed. Like, <laughs> he leaves with a dig about the Paul Simon concert. Ted does. He's like, yeah, we'll see you at the Paul Simon concert. Uh, you should call Mary about what to wear. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Ted also obviously not pleased that this is a thing now either. Uh, both both Cheryl and Ted are sus about the whole thing. Well, I guess Larry and Mary are sus, but Mary uh, Cheryl and Ted are suspicious. At Larry's office, the Sour Grapes poster is gone. I was very disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this is now. So this to me looked like a war World War II PSA propaganda poster. You know the ones that are like be careful who you're telling secrets to at the bar or whatever. She might be working for the Axis or whatever. You know like oh my you God. know those kind of posters? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. well so this one said jokes that injure uh, it's got like a clown on it and it says jokes that injure others, waste time, hurt records are never jokes. Let's think twice. So I think it was like put up in factories and stuff. Probably it's like, hey, don't mess around. Just build your build a plane or whatever you're supposed to be doing. Like jokes that when I saw waste time and hurt records, I was like, hurt records. What does that mean? And I think it has to do with like what you were expected to crank out in a yeah. day. So I think this is that's my guess. This is like just a World War II. I bet I could look it up. Let me see. I bet I could look it up. I might be this down for homework. And Ted and Mary haven't called yet about the concert, but it's only Wednesday. 
and they're going on Friday. So that's what Larry thinks at this point. So he's like, yeah, plenty of time. But the bowling alley called. So back over at Pickwick Bowling Alley, the guy showed up with Larry David's shoes. And my question is, why is he putting them back on? Because the counter guy should have called him the second he walked in. And Larry could have just stolen him back with absolutely no problem <laughs> whatsoever. And then yeah. the counter guy could have just told him what he told Larry. Like, oh, those were your shoes? Wow, I guess I mixed them up. Someone else walked out with them. The perfect crime. And it's not even a crime because they were Larry's shoes to begin with. <laughs> this guy, you know, this guy was there for probably at least an hour. Yeah, at least. I don't know how long it takes to get from Larry's office to Burbank, but maybe an hour in, in traffic. I don't know. But, but it was like midday traffic. You know, it wasn't certainly wasn't rush hour, I wouldn't think. But I, this guy, this actor was like really good playing a guy who definitely got caught and yet is still trying to cover it up. I uh. loved how he the line he kept digging in on was, that's weird. That's weird that he gave me the shoes. And that's weird that you uh, went home without yeah. shoes. That's yeah. weird. There, there, were, there was lots of, Huh. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this whole scene just made me think, yeah, not everyone should do improv. <laughs> yeah, Mo- yeah. Most most people need an explicitly written out script. Not everyone <laughs> should be trusted to just do whatever the scene feels like it needs. No. I I don't need three minutes of huh. <laughs> <laughs> Huh, that's, that's weird. weird. <laughs> huh. Huh. What? Maybe huh. it did go that's on That's not too improv. Long. But you know what I love about it is that, you know how you kind of have to be a great singer in order to, I think I brought this up once before, like I heard um, this singer who is singing half a step down uh, on this song. So the music is playing one key and she's literally half a step down. And to, in order to actually do that, you have to be one of the best singers in the world because you have to be able to hold the pitch while you're, mm-hmm. hold, a, hold the incorrect pitch while you're listening to the correct pitch. And so this guy is acting like somebody who cannot improv. You know what I mean? Like if I got caught stealing somebody's shoes and I didn't have a good story out of it, this is what I would sound like. I'd be like, oh, uh, weird. Are you sure? Uh, Like I just uh, obfuscate, whatever that word is, and uh, hem and haw and try to like just keep talking until he left. So that's I, I liked the way that I liked that he didn't have anything to say about it because he was straight up caught and he's trying not to and you know he's trying to talk his way out of it but he can't because he's no good at it that's weird (laughs) but he finally does give up the shoes maybe it did go on too long Uh, so over at boot and shoe repair very aptly named um, but thankfully also next to american vacuum and sewing which is just as generically named but I could see the address of both of these places. Oh. Boots and Shoe Repair was 11427. American Vacuum and Sewing is 11425. They're both Santa Monica Boulevard addresses. Nice. So these stores were on Santa Monica Boulevard. And the Shoe Repair store sign has been updated since the year 2000. But the store is closed and the space is for lease. So, Aww. yeah, pretty interesting that they held out for as long as, at least until 2020. That's, how, you know, we know how long Google car takes to get around L.A. So it was it was there for a very long time. The American Vacuum and Sewing is now Offside Sports. So a little yeah. uh, sports store there. Yeah. And Larry <laughs> is picking up his nicely new cleaned and deodorized shoes with Jeff. And out on the street, Jeff is excited because he has floor seats to Paul Simon. I forget if he said gave him to him. It was something weird. I didn't write it down, but like, I can't remember what it said. It, it was, it was some weird name. And Larry hasn't heard from Ted and Mary yet. 
And so he's getting kind of worried about it. Because I think this is Friday by this point. This is Thursday. This is Thursday now? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And this is where they run into the Barney salesman again. <laughs> what a God. coincidence. Of all the streets in all the world, we're on Santa Monica Boulevard. Hey, yeah, like, hey, I'm Danny, the shoe salesman <laughs> from Barney's. Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. Hang on. I just want to see 11425 Santa Monica Boulevard. I want to see how You're far that is. You're going to see if Barney's is nearby? Yes, I'm going to. Because <laughs> if it is, my mind will be blown that they put that much work into a location. But... <laughs> Also, it's gonna be it's gonna be two hours away, probably. Yeah, probably. But obviously, you know, Barney salespeople using their teleportation powers once again. Larry has to break it to the sales guy that he doesn't need the special order shoes anymore. And this is this is one of my favorite moments of the show too. When he's like, "Well, what happened was I went out bowling," and the guy's like, "I don't need the whole story." I love that he cut him off. That was so great. But the, so the salesman is super pissed because he was like, "You know, I waived the deposit you're supposed to put down because you seemed like a trustworthy guy." <laughs> Uh, but he's like, you know, I, I work on commission and, and you you should buy, you need to buy those shoes because, you know, and Larry even offers to pay the guy's commission. He's like, what was the commission? I'll pay it. He's like, no, no, I'm not a shoe whore. You can't buy your way out of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he says, you know what? People like you are the problem is what he says to Larry David. Uh, and, and it's at this point that I'm like, all right, you know, Larry is probably in the wrong here, but why insult an obvious long time and constant Barney's shopper. You know, it's like Larry obviously could afford to shop there and does shop there often so much that he already had purchased a pair of shoes there. Why just cause you're not in the store berate him like this. But uh, on the flip side of that, it is every retail worker's dream <laughs> to oh run God, into a customer yeah. when they're not a customer who did something asshole -ish to you. <laughs> whenever you're not on the clock and whenever they're not a customer, yeah. it's fair game. <laughs> Yeah, so the the guy storms off, pissed off at Larry. Uh, back at home, so now it's Friday, and it's 4.30, and they still have not gotten a call about the Paul Simon concert. And I loved this line from Larry, and it really you know harkens back to the fact that George Costanza is Larry David, because he sees, he's like, you know what, they're, they're getting ghosted. He's like, at least lie to us. A lie is a courtesy. <laughs> a, a lie shows respect. Like, you put enough thought into this person, you care about their feelings enough to to lie to them it's not a bad thing and i love looking i love the way i love that larry david looks at it that way <laughs> at least lie to us that's that'd be the nice thing to do that's the polite thing to do is lie to somebody uh and it it's a good point when you think about it you know <laughs> he makes a good point but so th they're just analyzing like why didn't they call us and larry's like well it's after cheryl goes what did we offend them or something and, La and larry's like well at, at lunch uh you know i drank out of mary's mom's glass and i went uh <laughs> And Cheryl lands on, she's like, oh, Larry, that's definitely what it was. And that's why they're not calling us. You totally offended them. And so now they're sitting on the couch listening to Still Crazy After All These Years. And Cheryl just gets up and walks off as Larry <laughs> is singing there. And I was cracking up at Larry not knowing the words, but like mumbling his way through Still Crazy After All These Years. He knows like every he, third he or fourth word. He kind of gets there, yeah. yeah. Like once the, once the phrase starts, he's kind of like mumbling. He's like, we went yesterday yeah <laughs> crazy after all these years so back at barney's larry is returning the jacket and the shoe salesman runs up and halts the return because of larry's not shoe buying <laughs> behavior why was larry returning God. the jacket though was it because it was because of ted and and mary and cheryl and everybody being kind of weird about it probably yeah probably it, owning he, it was more trouble than it was worth. Yeah, and, and the reason he's giving the 
sales clerk. He's like, it, it, it's half man, half beast. It's I don't think he says this, but it, it's an abomination unto God. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's but it's then too the much re- of a jacket and a shirt. Too much of a jacket and a shirt, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the reason he gives Mary Steenburgen and Mama as they walk up just now, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a zipper thing. Yeah, I got this zipper thing. Yeah, yeah, he keeps talking about the zipper thing. Yeah, because Mary's mom is there. And he asks about the concert. Were you at the concert on? And she's like, yes, I was there on, on Friday. No one, um, he's like, did anyone ask about? No, no one mentioned your name at all that I, I recall. And he, when he spots Mary, he's like, where's Mary? And she's like, oh, she's right, right over there. When he sees Mary, he like plants one on Ma- Mrs. Steenburgen. He like kisses her <laughs> cheeks and like he's pawing at her hair. <laughs> Just, you know, so Mary can see that he's not disgusted by her. But he asked Mary about the concert. And she's like, Larry, the concert's Sunday. We're big fans. So we knew we were going to go two nights. We're going on Friday and Sunday. And you're going to come with us on Sunday. And so Larry (laughs) is relieved now. So happy that their friendship is intact and everything's great. uh, Until he shows up at the concert. And he walks into essentially an empty luxury box. The only other person there, which luckily he convinced her to go. Well, I don't know, luckily, because he convinced, he's like, oh, are you going on Sunday? He makes sure that Mary makes her, you know, he's not disgusted by mom. He wants her there on Sunday night. And, but the only other person there on Sunday night then is Mary and Ted and Mary. This is referenced uh, kind of throughout the episode, how good of friends they are with the Clintons, which I didn't know as someone, you know, definitely cogent in the year 2000 that Mary and Ted were like huge Clinton, like best friends. I did not know that. Yeah, I had no clue. I don't know whether that's just for the show or what, but uh, yeah, Bill and Hillary flew in, and this was the only time they could all get together, so they're having dinner tonight, and Cheryl's cousins also flew in, so they're not there, and so it's just, so cut to mom falling asleep on Larry David's (laughs) shoulder uh, while Paul Simon plays in this beautiful giant luxury box, (laughs) Um, and it's a shame that, like, here's one thing I thought, well, no, no, uh, Jeff went on. Friday night I was like I know they were floor seats but Larry should call should have yeah, calling is I don't I think he only has a phone in the car it doesn't seem like we're at carrying cell phones around yet in the year 2000 uh, even for rich people like this but call Jeff and go hey I know you got floor seats but come on up to the suite if you want but uh, yeah it's just Larry and uh, mom in this giant thing so uh, that is the end of the episode all right Uh, so what do we got for homework next week we have uh, that uh, that poster in Larry's office. What is the deal with that? Okay. Um, is it a World War II propaganda poster or what? And how far is Barney's from the boot repair, <laughs> boots and shoe repair store? Okay. Uh, I did some pre-homework too, by the way, because there are some scenes where she looks unbelievable. Mary Steenburgen, she was 47 in 2000. Wow. I know. Especially she the- looks She looks like exactly the same now yes. over 20 years later. Yeah, we just saw her. Oh, we're watching Nightmare Alley, and she's in that, and I'm like, that's the same. Is like she still 47? She, she, lo- she looks the same here as she does in Step Brothers, which is yes. probably 10 years later. Yeah, th- she looks the same as in Back to the Future, which was probably 10 or maybe more years Back to the Future 2, whatever. Or 3. She's in 3. Um, yeah, like, she is just ageless. and But especially at the end in Barney's, like, whatever light they captured her in, she looks fantastic. I'm like, <laughs> that is, man. And then when I saw 47, I was like, what? Yeah. Because I'm doing, yeah, 53. She was born in 53. So for once I did the math right. I just, I couldn't believe it. And yeah, that's it. That's it. All right. What do you like for cover art this week? Oh, man. Could, I mean, maybe Larry and... Mary, uh, there might be a scene of everybody at the bowling alley that could be fun, or 
Larry and Mary wearing the same jacket at Barney's. Or Larry uh, going, <laughs> Oh, yeah, at lunch. That would be funny. <laughs> Cover art you can hear. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I got to mention this before I, because I, I, I wrote it down in the scene, but I didn't want to break up uh, the, you know, talking about it. But did you notice when they're on the street, that lady running up behind them or whatever, like trying to sneak by? It seems like when they shoot, they don't. They didn't close down the street or something. When, specifically, when they shot this hmm. scene, because this woman is like doing that kind of thing where you try to run by somebody taking a picture, and you try to like duck under, even though you're obviously still going to be in the frame, and they're not going to take the picture while you're running through. It looked like she was trying to do that. Like, so she looks like she's sneaking up on Larry and Jeff and everybody, and Jeff looks over at her, and it's at that point that the scene changes. They obviously went cut and let that woman go past, and then edited in a, a close up of Larry talking to the shoe guy, so they could you know, finish the shot, but it's definitely just a woman, just a civilian on the street who was like, can I just, Oh, just sneak by here. Just, can I just, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go right by. I'm just gonna oops, scooch. Oops, can I just oops, scooch? Excuse me. Oops, sorry. <laughs> can I just scooch right by? Yeah. I thought that was a really interesting thing that they left in, but I guess when you're doing a show where you're improv and you don't want to do too many takes, you know, it's like, yeah. all right, well, do I say it the same way or do I say it the different way now? Yeah. So I, I just uh, noticed that. I thought it was pretty funny, uh, but all that works for cover art. I like it. Okay. Um, we already did the better description, so I'm just yeah. going <laughs> to skip over that. Rewind uh, if you want to hear it again. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. Uh, but next week, we've got Season 1, Episode 3, Porno Gill. <laughs> Original air date, October 29th, 2000. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry sets off a bizarre chain of events, parenthetical, as he always does. <laughs> In which he is forced to attend a party, uh, attend a party at the home of a porno businessman. <laughs> I love. I don't remember anything about this episode. I love, <laughs> but yeah. So now we're we're like writing just a a, a synopsis that can cover every episode. <laughs> Everyone's mad at Larry after a biz- after he sets off a bizarre chain of events. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like episode three is way too early to have a parenthetical as he always as he does always I'm like, do- yeah always d- does he does he always do that he well, we've only seen two episodes yeah this might not be a permanent thing we might have just caught him on two bad days we're only a fifth of the way through the entire first season so let's hold off on you know he might correct this we don't know as he always does yeah like everyone's mad at larry after he sets off a bizarre chain of events events as he always does <laughs> everyone's Jesus mad at larry Christ. as they always are after he sets off a bizarre chain of events as he always does <laughs> we did it that's the end of the podcast everybody <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh, okay so is that it yeah i think that's it we all got right. a shorty this I week know. how about that after all that diehard talk too i'm down for it yeah <laughs> Yeah, not bad. I think they're I think they're going to be like this. We talked about not to elongate it even more, but we talked about how quickly we can make it through these as opposed to Seinfeld. And I don't know what the difference is. You know, we kind of tried to figure out what it was. Like Seinfeld being so scripted, I think, was the yeah. difference. And we're like, yeah, well, we can see that what the point of the scene was. Just just write that down, and we'll move on and analyze what we need to. Do. All right, for no hugging, no learning. I'm Tim Murphy. <laughs> I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. Be good.